Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program. Uh, I'm going to be introducing my, de- my guest in one second. I apologize for any COVID brain glitches because I've got lots of them these days. Uh, I'm generally feeling better, but uh, uncanny, the neurological effects of this thing. Um, just looking at the overall data on COVID before we get going here, and uh, everything is going in the right direction rapidly. So that's good news out there, especially in California. California, we're really uh, sort of that that COVID-like illness, which is any febrile illness that hits an ER, dropped dramatically a couple of weeks ago, and now we're seeing the follow-through with COVID illnesses dropping as well. So hopefully we'll get to back down where we were in our baseline before this big old surge, and hopefully it will stay there while we get everybody vaccinated, but that yet remains to be seen. So I'm watching you guys on uh, Restream. There's a lot of love for Rachel out there. So let's go ahead and bring in Rachel Yucatel. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Rachel, welcome. Hey there. Thank you. It's good to see you. It is really good to see you. And um, I was laughing my my ass off about that because because you posted a, one of our little um what should we call these episodes you and i between you and i from celebrity rehab and i noticed heather mcdonald was like liking it like at the top of the page your new best friend oh. heather mcdonald and uh love her she's a friend of ours too um but you know when i when i was i was laughing at it i was laughing how you and i went at it a few times but i thought to myself and and i was really and i really mean this which is um, you were working hard and you and you do respond to treatment. Uh, and I will always remember that because you you we worked together for a while after the cameras were gone. And you really, you really worked hard. And I guess now you're working with Transcend Recovery. You're working with another program. Yes. Um, I'm working with them to um really help other people and really, I mean, it, it's kind of back to basics from what you taught me. I mean, I remember going um to you that one night that we were at the Lermitage. I don't know if you remember this. I do and remember I that. sat down I do remember and that. looked across the table at me and you were like sort of what are you going oh. um, and and basically I was like I need help and you were like uh okay so we're gonna find a name for this and you're gonna figure out what this is about and we figured out that I suffer from love addiction. And I remember sitting with you and saying, that is totally ridiculous. I'm not going <laughs> to go. But, but let's, but let's be clear. Th- then you were really suffering back then. I mean, that was, that was okay. not a sort of a trivial time for you. You were, you were miserable. Yeah, I was miserable. I was having such a hard time. I was a I was a recluse in my house, but I had the whole world chasing after me, yeah. calling me names. 
um, really, um, you know, I was on the cover of every newspaper and the, in the, the source of every media uh, story on television. And uh, I was in my house and I was really suffering, not only from what was going on in the news, but really about what was going on when I turned out the lights at night and put my head on the pillow. And yeah. it wasn't even about what was going on in the news, but it was about was what was going on in my head of and what had gone on in the past and the trauma that I was suffering. And I didn't know who to talk to. And you came into my la- life and you sat across the table from me and it's going to make me cry because the interesting thing about you, Dr. Drew, is that when um, you are sitting with a person that is the only um, person in the room, and I talked to Heather McDonald about this, that that is the greatest part of you, is that um, you can connect with people. And and that was the connection that I yeah. had with you in that moment and in the time that we worked together in Celebrity Rehab, that that was not a reality show, and people don't understand that, that that was real um, work that I did and the eight people that were on the show, we all did together. And, um, you know, it's such a loss, um, of Jason Davis and, um, losing him was such a shame because he worked his ass off in the time that he was there. He, he, he actually, he before he help. was, he was doing really well just before he passed away. I mean, like, cause Bob was working with him still and he was like remarkable and, <laughs> got his hands on something. He a doctor gave him something. Smart guy. He was such a smart guy, such a wonderful guy. And he yeah. tried, you know, he tried and addiction got the best of him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, addiction can be a long, um, battle, right. But it can be one time too many, you know, and it can just be that one time it gets a hold of you and you take the wrong drug, wrong drug from the wrong person. That's right. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, fentanyl. It doesn't have to be cocaine. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be love addiction. It could be be something that it could be behavior and something that you cannot get a hold of and something that you need treatment and something that somebody needs to get uh, a hold of for you and that you need somebody to help you change your behavior. And that's why I'm working with Transcend because um, that is a place where people can really go and get some help when they need some uh, change in their process and change in their behavior. So, so I'm having a bit of a flashback and I hope you don't mind me bringing this all up, but <clears throat> there were dots you and I connected to how you got to that present moment when you were so miserable. And we went, we went all the way back to your, I, I'm, I'm having a flashback and I hope this is not the wrong place, the wrong time to bring it up. But we talked about you in the shower after your dad's passing, right? Yeah. I still, I, I remember all of that. We talked about your fiance in 9-11 mm-hmm. and then what had happened to you that was now one of the reasons you're out in public now you are on this documentary about tiger woods and we'll talk about that in a minute but the, these to me they they all connected they and, and <clears throat> it's not the right i'm getting a little emotional thinking about this because i i went through so much of that with you you know it was tough tough stuff and then your mother and your grandmother trying to deal with that at the same time as this huge through line you were dealing with, with, with these losses that were just, just intense. Yeah. So I've had what I would call a lot of betrayal and I've had a lot of loss Yeah. and I've sort of grown up, um, feeling almost like I've been put a little bit like a wild animal and then kind of put into a cage and then had to fend for myself. Right. And I didn't really understand what unconditional love was. And therefore I didn't learn how to react appropriately and react and act appropriately. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm making any, um, you know, 
defenses for my behavior, but this is why to I explain. It's a way of understanding it. We're trying to understand what happened to you, you know, and that's what you have to do. You have to make a narrative. You have to make a, a way of, of digesting it and understanding it. But, but you, you did have kind of a connection with your dad, but then that was sort of lost in the worst possible way. Right. Right. So for people that don't know, my father died of a cocaine overdose uh, when I was 15 years old and I was sent to a therapeutic boarding school um, when I was age 12. And I was told by my headmaster that he had died when I was there. So it was, you know, sort of this broken moment of, you know, I, I wasn't even there when he died. So that was really sort of hard to come to terms with um, because I wasn't there for it. And um, having that kind of loss is horrible, but when you're sort of not at home and can't deal with it, it's also, you know, a whole, um, you know, that's a horrible thing to have happen. Is, is your grandmother still with us? No, no, she, um, she died. Is, is that, was everything okay with her, with you when that, when she went away or no? We finally, um, about a week before she died, we, we finally had a, a conversation, but it did take up until then to have that conversation and sort of make our peace. But she didn't talk to me until um, right before her death. So, so one of the things you've said is that women don't get much of a chance for redemption. Um, it, it seems to me that, I mean, I hope we're entering a time when there's not a difference between men and women as it pertains to this kind of thing. But, but, uh, I think, you know, my always, my always sort of instinct is to help people understand what someone's life has been so they can understand where they are. Do you think that adds to the potential for redemption or is there, are there other roads to redemption? Do you think? Well, how do I put this? You know, I think that, um, yeah, so People like me to the extreme, right? So I, I feel like I'm a little bit misunderstood. So people either really like me and they kind of get me or people really don't like me. And it's a very interesting position to be in because people have a, a very strong feeling about me. And it hasn't been a great feeling that for so many years, 10 to be exact, um, that people have really felt a, a strong anger towards me. I mean, if you look at my social media, if you see what a lot of People write about me in the media. Um, they write with a lot of um, spitefulness and use words towards me like they personally know me or like I've personally done something to them. Is it mostly and women? Me, mostly women do that? Yeah, mostly women. But sure, there could be men. I'm not gonna, but it's, mo you know, it's mostly women. But, um, but that kind of spite and that kind of anger um, is... I, I, I was going to say, I, I would have said years ago, it's not normal, but it's become, become normal. Yeah. And, you know, for... A while it was understandable, but then it became, it's not understandable. And then it became, this is what society is. And then there was the hashtag, you know, the hashtag me too movement and kind of people really forgave women and made an excuse for women. But here's where I'm going to stand on this. I sort of feel like women are not really given an agency here. It's almost like if they're young, <coughs> they're victims. And if they're a little bit older, they're home wreckers. They're dangerous. They're mistresses, yeah. They're dangerous. Their yeah. threats. Mm. And you really don't have a middle ground. And the women don't have an opportunity to have a comeback. And you're really branded. And it's really unfair because the men usually have an opportunity to be forgiven, to have redemption, to go to sex rehab and then be like, okay, they made a mistake. But now they can, you know, have a big winning moment. They can get a new job. They can get a new marriage. They can get a new family. Something happened where they can return to society and it was just a mistake. But a woman has to live scorned. A woman has to live with a scarlet letter. And yes, I've made a mistake. But 
And yes, I'm, I'm sorry for my mistakes and who isn't sorry for their mistakes, right? But I also deserve a second chance and I shouldn't have to ask the public for a second chance. I, that's between me and whoever I've made my, had problems with, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems that the public really wants to make a monster of me and really wants to have such anger towards me like I personally hurt them. And that has really affected me mentally, right? I mean, yeah. that really hurts. And how do you um, move on from that, right? And that has given not given me a chance to move on, which is why I decided 10 years after the events that happened to to speak in the documentary. And I decided to speak once, you know, there's I've been a lot of, um, you know, of course, I've done a lot of interviews talking about the fact that I've spoken, but I only told my story once. I didn't tell some big, disgusting tell-all about what happened. I just told a little bit of the story. I got the story out there. And, and that was it. You know, this wasn't any disgraceful thing that I wanted to be slanderous about. I just wanted people to know I'm not some home-wrecking, mistress, fly-by-night girl. I, you know, I was someone before. I was someone after. I'm someone that has feelings. And by the way, I'm someone just like you. So back off a little, you know? Did, did, I'm wondering, did you know all the other stuff he was getting into? And I, and I asked that not to, to, to uh, understand how you feel about it, but how he was into all that stuff, but you became the lightning rod for everything else. You know what I mean? Which I find bizarre. Well, I That's bizarre to me. Right. So I don't want to talk about the whole, that whole situation, yeah, that's fine. but I, I, I will say, um, I will say in general about situations like this is that I feel like, um, it's been very interesting that clearly, uh, I'll make it just a general statement that clearly, um, you know, you can make a clear, um, you can draw a clear, uh, assessment that somebody was already heading off a cliff right, right and right. i was in the passenger right i was in the passenger yeah. before that <laughs> yeah and um this wasn't just you know a one shot deal like somebody was already heading towards a cliff and yeah. i just happened to be part of that narrative you know yeah um, I, that, that's but, what i find but, i find bizarre though that it, it stuck and and uh, on you that you became the it all it all crystallized around you and and the other thing i've noticed that people do on social media is they turn people into cartoon characters, right? Yeah. They, they dehumanize you in, in, in by making you into a cartoon character. Like you're, you're some sort of, you know, I don't know what the character would be, but you're, you're not a person. You're just this sort of animated well, figure, the, you know? The, the bullying is so horrible. I mean, you know, I could go down my, my phone and my Instagram and just read you the things that people say to this day are just as nasty as they were 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I could go into therapy with you tomorrow, Drew, yeah. about how that still affects me. And people are like, oh, it's just haters. Oh, no, it, it, it gets through. It's not normal. Yeah, it gets I mean, through. It, it does get through. And the interesting thing is, is you, the other stuff becomes a whisper, right? The stuff that's like, oh, you're so great. Oh, I've loved you for 10 years. Oh, I've watched you for 20 years since I've seen you on, you know, whatever. Or Oh, I used to come into your store and loved you. Oh, I see you and your daughter on the street. Oh, the people that say nice things, mm. oh, you're beautiful. That stuff becomes a whisper. And all the other stuff is a megaphone. Right. I hate you. You always go for married men. You're so ugly. You're so old. All that stuff is a megaphone. And it's really 
hurtful. So, so we've evolved, our brains have evolved to pay more attention to negative than positive, right? That's just, that's just everybody. Right. Uh, we, we, yeah. we, we want to pay attention to the leopard and the alligator, not the domesticated cat that, that loves us. You know, we, we, and, and that's helped yeah. us evolve, but in a social context, it, it drives us crazy, right? Because it, it also right. has so much threat associated with it in the sense that ostracism, right? Being ostracized is a very dangerous thing for people historically, right. evolutionarily. If you were ostracized from a tribe, you couldn't survive and we need our social connections to survive. So being threatened with sort of outcasting is, is a very serious threat. Let, let me just, right. um, let, let's do talk about something positive for a second though. Is, is the store still there? You uh, with a update on your no, daughter? I decided, um, the store is, I closed the store uh, almost two years ago now. Um, retail, you know, was having such a hard time yeah. and was not doing well even before COVID really. Um, so I chose to, to close up, but it was, you know, winning sort of every award that it could when it was open. And quite frankly about that, I will say that entrepreneur entrepreneurs, you know, really have to know when to close and when to sort of fail also. And, and that was a really big lesson for me. Um, to know when to say, okay, it's over. Right. Um, so I loved having a store. I loved doing that. Um, it was a great lesson for me. And, you know, now I'm trying to figure out, um, what act two is right. And that has kind of, that was sort of what I was leaning into right when COVID hit. So, um, you know, that's where I'm at and I'm doing a lot of work on sort of not living this discount version of myself that I felt like I was for 10 years of my life and really coming out in this HBO documentary and speaking was how I felt like I was really going to get out of this, um, this cloud that I've really been living with. And it just came out, you know, a week ago and, you know, the documentary, ha have you seen it yet? I have. I, okay. So, um, it's a great documentary. I, it was so well done. It, it, um, it is, it is well done. I, 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 you know, I know some of the, you know, I know some of the details and stuff. They sure glossed over a lot of stuff. I, I thought you came out looking fine. And, and you know what I mean? I, I, because you get a real sense of how you fit into the whole story. Right. You understand mm -hmm. that, that I don't think people understood that. Um, but, but the part that troubles me now talking to you about it is the, it was a redemption. He built like a redemption documentary. And no one else in the documentary except him is redeemed, which is kind of interesting, right. right? Which I, right. I, I, that's great. I mean, I, I'm glad he had the redemption story, but, but everyone else kind of gets cast off to, you know, whatever, right? Including his so, wife, and that's right. Well, and that to me is the interesting point that now it's kind of like I want to have that conversation of like the everyone else also deserves a comeback story, and we don't have to have a skill like an athlete or like a superstar to deserve a comeback story, right? I mean, we can also be able to tell our story and move on and be okay and be deemed as worthy and be deemed as being able to not have to live as Rachel Yucatel, comma, and then associated with something that happened so long ago, right? Right. Um, and I want to get away from those shackles. So um, I, I just need, needed to be able to do that to see then what is allowed for me in my second act of my life. Well, you've always been be, so very entrepreneurial. I, I would imagine that's the second act, that, that some sort of autonomous, independent business. I mean, the, the store was sort of a mini version of what maybe is coming, right? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, Heather, you know, from, from speaking on Heather's show, you Heather know, McDonald. I, I uh, yeah, Heather McDonald, sorry. Um, you know, I've been definitely working on a book and as you know, so many things I've gone through in my life. Um, I have so much to say and so much, you know, uh, feedback from people that again, either love me or hate me. Definitely want to, uh, hear what I have to say and have a reaction to what I have to say. So, um, you know, maybe that will be something going forward that people will, will, uh, be interested in, in me in general. And, and I, I just have to say, I, I, you were doing really well when you got married. I, and I thought that was going to go, I'm sorry it didn't, but I, you know, that's okay. I mean, not everything has to, but, but I, you, you really were, I, I mean, I'm I, making lots of strides back then. Yes. Yeah. Well, sometimes you pick the right people and sometimes you don't, <laughs> sometimes. and that's okay. Right? It's close, <laughs> close, but no cigars. Yep. Um, yep. And, a great, beautiful daughter out of it. So yeah. that's what was meant to be out of that. Right. Yes. And, um, and I truly believe that, you know, listen, I want to find the right person. So I believe in relationships and, um, I, you know, uh, I believe in finding the one person that I can be with. So I, I definitely want to be with someone. Um, so I am looking for, uh, you know, a family. And uh, as you know, because you know me, I think that that family unit is the most important thing that I can find. So that's what I have always been looking for. And that's what I hope to find eventually. So for me, that is the one thing that I always will be searching for a witness to my life. Like I always would tell you. And that's what I, I was going to say, ultimate. Spe speaking of witness, I, I mean, you got to write that book. Cause I'm just thinking about all the different historical phenomenon you were involved with, with your dad, with cable, with your fiance, with nine 11, with, I mean, they're just with, I mean, there's so many parts of your life that were um, reflective of the historical moments in which you were, you know, living that you were, you were yeah. in it one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah, the other thing, was, there's something, the other thing I, I remember about you and, and it's the same, I, you know, this phrase, you'll remember me saying this because it, it popped into my head when I first got to know you and it's coming back in now as I've talked to you, which is, and I've said it to you repeatedly, was that Rachel doesn't suffer fools gladly. Rachel, Rachel is not going to waste her time with other people's shortcomings and, and particularly cognitive shortcomings. And, and I'm imagining that can be problematic out in the world a little bit for you. Is it, has, have you softened on that front at all? Well, um, it's funny because I remember when you first said that to me, you had to explain it to me. Um, and, and I thought, wow, that is the greatest line to sum me up. Um, <laughs> and I remember that, um, Patty Stanger actually tried to set me up on a date and she called me a shredder. That was her version. <laughs> that's right? a, that's a, that's um, an unkind version of the same thing. Yes. Right, I know what she's talking version, about though. Yes. yes. Yeah, I get that. But saying the same thing. Um, so it's funny because I definitely have a problem with my tone. I definitely, <laughs> uh, I'm short with people. Um, but I, I listened to your advice, which is you have to remember that there's a, a, a small percentage of people that, that get it right. And that get the joke and that have been through the experiences that maybe you've been through. Yeah. Right. And so as a person, sort of when you're um, dealing with someone or a, a situation, you kind of have to look at the other person and how they're, how they're reacting That's right. and, and think about what they're going through and how they're reacting right. based on what they've been through, right. right. As opposed to 
reacting based on what you've been through. And I try to calm down and remember that they might not just be reacting because they're being mean or they're being stupid, but it might just be because of what, how they are perceiving the situation. And I always think of you and what you've taught me because of that, because it, it just, but, you know, but I know, I, but, I yeah, but I know you don't have much patience. You do not have much patience with stupid. You just, you never will. I don't think, I, don't. I just don't yeah. think you ever will. And that, that's kind of funny, but, but good for you. Uh, and, and the getting it thing, isn't that funny? I, there's so many f- things are flashing back to me that that's the way you described. Um, I, I forget your, your fiance's name, a- Andy, right? Andy, is that right? Andy. 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 All the bond traders that were with him got it. They used to talk about themselves yeah. that way. Yes, that they got it. Yes, uh, that they've got the joke. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's funny. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe two months ago or something, I, during, you know, part of when I had nothing to do and it was late at night, I sort of watched some of our old episodes of Celebrity Rehab. And there was the final episode where we went down to Ground Zero, you and I. It's crazy, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, and we went to the um, yeah. boathouse and... Um, well, there were two, we there were two, un, there were two uncanny moments. One was that, that older man who was a yeah. museum curator who came out, whose wife had died. That was crazy to me. And then we go down to the boathouse in central park and there's a monument to Andy on the side of the, of the pond uh, from Nata nowhere. Yes. I mean, it wasn't like the producer stuck it there. It was something that's in the park. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was so special to me that we have that on tape, number one, but that I could sit there and watch it and have those moments. But also, I really don't have, this is going to make me cry, I don't have moments that I can share with people that get it, you know? And I felt like I had a moment that I could share with you and that you got it, you know? Because again, I, I just don't feel like I have a lot. And the fact that you're remembering all these things ab- about me um, you know, means a lot because you've, you've been through a lot of history with me and then the history you haven't been through, you recall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that means something to me. So well, I it was, appreciate in, it was intense. I always, I, I always appreciate you. I always had an f- affection for you and it was intense what you were dealing with. It was really, really intense. And, and so I, I was witness to a lot of this and it, it doesn't just, you know, much the way it doesn't go away for you at all. It, it, it gets into other people's bodies and minds too when they when they experience it with you so it it stays with me and it would have been different if you had been really resistant and uh, and objected to no but you were actively participating and really trying to help yourself and there's something about that that increases the receptivity of the person who's trying to help so i appreciated that hey susan i'm going to ask you about the um the redemption thing if you have any opinion about what rachel was saying you have a mic right there yeah not to put you on the spot, but uh, yeah, but I, I, I but but I wondered if you agreed with her about you know because you've always talked about how there is a difference between how men and women are treated. Right. Certainly, yeah. Go ahead. No, I I agree. I think that it's it's a double standard, and you know, men do get out of it a lot easier. Also, um, I, I guess I don't know. I think I think it's just always the woman's fault when when there's a relationship that is. Right. But it's I think, I, but I think, but I, and to rate the point that Rachel made and I, and I sort of prompted it, but I think it's other women that are so unforgiving about it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I just, I didn't really, I mean, I'm going to mention the documentary. I didn't like the 
the light they painted Rachel in as a, you know, sort of a, a cluster of these women. <coughs> she was sort of bunched in with all these women that, you know, he was seeing on the side. Yeah, but I thought she sort of made it clear there was something more going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was clear, but yeah. but it was that's not the way they portrayed it. It, just, mm. it sounded like, I don't know, it was kind of... Well, that's fine, because maybe because I knew the story that, that I, I saw it more as it really was. Yeah, I don't. I don't mm. know the story. I mean, I'm, mm. I I barely remember, you know, Celebrity Rehab, but but I do, <laughs> but I love it. Thanks, I mean, Susan. That's good. I was raising three kids, okay? I remember it. There, I, I haven't rewatched it over the years, but you guys had some intense experiences. Yes, and, we did. And um, but, I, but I've always loved Rachel because she's, she's very well-spoken and understands it, and she's been through a lot of therapy and she really knows what she's dealing with. You know, I, I personally uh -oh. think that women are, you know, we, we are jaded, you know, whenever we get thrown into the limelight, you know, and then you're canceled, you know, it's just a, I mean, you know how it feels. It's, it's such a weird feeling. Tiger was bigger than yeah. life though. So, you know, there, he had a lot behind him to get through it and they wanted him to come back and, and and be at the top again. So you know, I, it's sad that you were put in that position. Mm. Well, I, let let me ask this: Is there I, I, social media is just a cesspool, particularly Twitter? Do you encounter stuff in real life that's so problematic, so so unpleasant? Is it is real life? Oh, yeah. a, a, but is real life a, just a, a kinder place than than social media? Well, it's kinder than social media, yeah. but it's not. It's not uh, that kind. I mean, I, I find that people definitely have uh, ulterior motives for wanting to get to know me. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, when they get angry, um, that is the ultimate that they end up using. Well, you're nothing but a whatever the words are. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I knew that, you know, Whatever the TMZ blog lines are, are the lines that end up coming out, Do you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that is what I end up getting sort of molded down to at the end of the day. And that's what comes out in those, as those nasty words all at the end of any kind of relationship. And it, and it just seems to be, that's what it, you know, they use as their fighting words when that has nothing to do with the, with what the argument is about. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, I fight like a lawyer. I use facts. I use, this is why we're in an argument. And then usually the people that I have it out with are end up talking like they're coming out using lines from a blog, you know? So right. and they're talking about I have to feelings rather than logic. Yeah. So I end up having to choose my friends very wisely um, and make my life very small. I mean, even recently, if people have noticed, you know, I've been, uh, just recently I've been in different magazines cause quote unquote friends have sold random stories to the daily mail. Um, they've changed facts from, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, text messages that I've sent them, um, that were completely falsified. And like, if we were going to get into it, I can explain who these people were that I've, I've known well, you, them for do less you, than do a you month. Do you want to set that record straight? I mean, I'm sure to give you the opportunity to, if you want to, it's up to you. Uh, sure. I mean, I'll just talk about, uh, just in general, um, you know, uh, one of them, for example, I, I, can't, I can't even remember the details now because they were so 
not true. And, but and, first and of all, be, the daily be careful mail, if there's some, I don't really know what's going on, but if there's something going on, somebody yeah. will spin this and throw it back at you. So, so be no, careful, choose your no, words well, wisely. That's why, that's why. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's why I don't even want to sort of go there because yeah, it's fine. happen in front of me. And I, would be, I would be so factual, but I will just explain to you that, um, I, I will say that, you know, the Dale, I, I will say this cause I have no problem say, saying this is that the, the daily mail has taken, uh, you know, its role as what the national Enquirer was, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where they really go after, um, public figures or celebrities, whatever you want to call them, um, like with a vengeance where they really want to take down somebody, um, as long as the public has the appetite for it, right? So they will just take whatever story and then just turn it and um, twist it. And um, if you say uh, one thing, they will take it and they will spin it and make it just look so dirty and disgusting. And they don't look at it and be like, well, she, I don't know if that's the actual fact. Let me actually do some journalism on it and, and see if that's correct. So uh, the girl that sold the story, I know exactly who it is. I know exactly where I met her. I know that she has my phone number and she has text messages from me. And I know exactly what those text messages were, but sh- those text messages were not accurate. They were not about what they were about. And I know exactly what she did because she I mean, I have the text messages from her where she apologized. She said she lied. She said, you know, that she tried to retract the story because she made it up and she sent inaccurate text messages and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the back and forth of it. But, um, you know, the point is that she exaggerated and it made it look worse than it was. Now, I'll talk about seeking arrangements for a second because I have no problem talking about um, online dating. Oh, dating. Okay. Oh, okay, so Dr. Drew, you'd be into this because of your whole um, okay. Adam Carolla thing, right? Um, so, do do you talk about um, on online dating or that kind I, of thing? I, I you have plenty. Like I mean, we you know we had Emily Morris on a couple of days ago, and Adam and I still do a podcast, so so this all comes up. Oh, okay. Well, um, we, we could talk about this another time, but I will just say um, because we you and I haven't talked about this before. Um, you know, there was a whole story about seeking arrangements and do you even know what that is? It sounds like a dating site. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a dating site, but people have made this into this whole scandalous thing. Like I had a whole pretty woman moment and I was being paid like a hooker to go on a a dating site. And that is totally inaccurate. I'm not a hooker. I don't get paid to sleep with men. And that's just, you know, totally inaccurate. And seeking arrangements is not a website for hookers. So, you know, I could do a whole podcast with you just on online dating and how you, how you go on online dates and the importance of it, because I've met uh, a great amount of decent men. And I think it's a great way to date if you do it the right way. Well, especially Um, now when people are locked down, they, they, you have to be using digital media. Yeah. And there's a certain way to do it by the way, because I think it's a great way to meet someone because you can fall in love with somebody in the right way based on having chemistry with their personality because that's how something will really last, mm-hmm. by the way, not mm-hmm. based on looks, right? So online dating, to me, that concept is genius and it works. And so something like seeking arrangement can work because um, people ha- want to have this actual male and female arrangement. And if you go on something like Twitter or Grind, uh, not Twitter, excuse me, Grinder or um, 
you know, all these ones where people are just going and having sex. That's crazy. You go and you have sex with somebody and then you, you just go your separate ways and people are all pissed. That's ridiculous. So, um, you know, I, they did this article about me, you know, getting paid for sex. I don't get paid for sex. I'm not a hooker. So, um, but I made a statement and I said this and they like buried it at the bottom of their, uh, you know, I I mean, the the Brits invented this kind of, um, uh, takedown press. I mean, they really, they really invented it and we just adopted it over here and now, and and they've gotten more brutal than ever. They're just, they're just, I mean, I, I don't understand the people that do it. I don't understand how they live with themselves. It's, it's just, they're trying to harm people. And that's, and that's all yeah. It does not feel like a, I understand how that feels like a good way to make a living. The daily mail sucks. But also the, yeah, it sucks. And the people that read it are just like, Oh my God, you get paid for sex. You just sleep with married men. You hooker. They write this stuff on my Instagram and then they move on to their daily life. And I'm just like, right. how do they read this? Yeah. How do they believe it? How do they write this and move on? Like, well, that, that's the part you're, you're saying people. something I, that I think all the time. I, I read tweets or, you know, Instagram posts sometimes and I just go, what, what motivated that person to write that? And, and did yeah. that feel good? They, they feel good about themselves right. and, and with this whole horrible and sometimes stuff. I'll look at who they, who they are. One person that wrote that runs a daycare wow. in Virginia and they were writing me stuff like that. And I was like, how, how, how do they have a job like that? It's and they not, write not stuff what you call like Christian. that on my social media. <laughs> not Christian. Yeah. It's crazy. That's pretty anyway. wild. Susan, I feel like you're trying to say something. No, I'm reading the Daily Mail. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you can't, if anybody believes the Daily Mail, they need to go well, back and, under and, the rock. But the, you know, Rachel has, the, has to do it all on her own, which is part of the... Well, problem. we do too. We take shit from. No, Daily I know, Mail but we have each other, right? And we have, you know, and Rachel's always is, a lot of the time is is a solo warrior, right, Rachel? Yeah, exactly. But Susan, you and and Dr. Drew have credibility, right? That's what you have going for you. You have That's shows, and you have people, I mean, and you have we degrees. <laughs> right. Well, that makes it worse sometimes. Okay, no, I, no, we got. But we, being in the public eye is a few times. So trust me, you know, you can you, they can twist anything, like you said, and of course, and it it's just yeah. You know, but but it's interesting that they're still going after you. It's like, geez, what? It's yeah. interesting. It's yeah, just, I I, I, I feel yeah. like you need to get on with business. You know, get on, do your business, and and build a business, or whatever That's that what is. And, yeah, and and this let this be whatever it was or is, and just ugh, move on past it. We do a lot of shows on the cancel culture and. And the trolls and when, you know, we kind of got hit pretty hard in March at the beginning of the pandemic. And and I learned a lot about trolling and what people do in their free time. Mm. But um, but there are it, it's just a it's like it's just like 50 percent of the people like you and 50 percent of the people hate you. So you just have to like somehow get those people to stop coming around, you know, and just <laughs> say, go t- ahead. If you don't like it, just don't show up. OK, yeah. get out of here. Scram. Exactly. Well, exactly. I don't know if you're ever going to get away from that. I You're just you you've, you're kind of I mean, especially after this this documentary, I mean, it's being relived. So um, but it's but I didn't I I, I didn't. I, you you aren't a prostitute. You weren't you weren't like a lot of the women that he was dating in in Vegas, and we could clearly see that. But um, but that's just hard to hide, you know the the these news these takes on it. And it, it, I'm sorry for you. I think that that's just not right. 
I I don't like it. Well, I, I think I think there is there, there may not be the same opportunity for redemption, but but there is opportunity to move on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now here's here's what I want to do. We've got a bunch of phone calls uh, lined up. I, I'm sorry, people waiting on hold there. Um, the topics are all over the place. Um, let me see if I can find something for. There's one thing on sex. Yeah, addiction. there's a there's also a, there's a sex addiction call. There's a there's a dating via Zoom. Oh, I, I don't know what Casey's talking. Is that I our don't Casey? Know what I would do if I was that's single. our Casey. Once it has a question for uh, Rachel, but let's do this. Let's take a little break. Take a couple minute break, and then we'll come back. We'll take some calls. Okay. Well, I too have struggled with GI issues over the years. I have something called Lynch syndrome, so gut health is extremely important to me. And while gut health awareness has increased, it's led to a wellness trend that's inspired a host of questionable marketing and some false claims. Now, you've seen the word probiotic attached to all kinds of supplements, drinks, even more. They may claim to deliver the healthy microorganisms our gut needs for proper function, but all too often the promises are in fact too good to be true. Thankfully, I became aware of a company called Seed and their flagship product, the Daily Symbiotic. Seed's Daily Symbiotic offers 24 clinically researched strains of microorganisms in a single dose. These strains support gut health and can improve regularity and relieve bloating, sometimes within as little as 24 to 48 hours. To me, what really sets Seed's Daily Symbiotic apart is the delivery system. While some products may offer the right strains, they're fragile, they rarely survive the trip through the gut, doesn't get where it needs to go, but Seed uses a capsule in capsule design that helps ensure the probiotic reaches your colon, which is where they often are needed. I've been taking Seed's Daily Symbiotic, and I really encourage you to check out their story and the science behind what they do. To try it for yourself, just go to seed.com slash Dr. Drew. Use code Dr. Drew 20 for 15% off your first month of Daily Symbiotic. That is S-E-E-D.com slash Dr. Drew. Use code Dr. Drew 20. This pandemic began, we were not sure how it spread. Everyone began wearing masks and using hand sanitizers. Great ways to slow the spread, but a lot of people still get sick. I can personally attest to that. We now know that COVID-19 spreads via aerosols and droplets from the nose and mouth. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Why aren't we also sanitizing the nose and mouth, killing the virus directly at the place where it spreads? Why weren't more doctors thinking about this? Well, some doctors have done the research, which I discovered it sooner. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Halodyne. It's an FDA-registered antiseptic for the nose and mouth that's proven to eliminate 99.99% of the virus that causes COVID-19 in just 15 seconds. That's right. It's created by a team of clinicians with decades of experience in antiviral treatments, initially created to protect healthcare workers. These are smart scientists, and it's a great product that also eliminates many other viruses and infecting particles. I'm using both their nasal antiseptic swab and their oral spray to help protect those around me, and you should be too for others and for yourself. Whether you're hopping on a three-hour flight, always use it there, visiting grandparents or attending a meeting that you can't miss, Halodyne's family of oral and nasal antiseptics give you the safe, easy, on-the-go antiviral protection for up to four hours. I encourage you to try Halodyne at halodyne.com today. My listeners get 10% off with the discount code Dr. Drew. That is H-A-L-O-D-I-N-E.com, discount code D-R-D-R-E-W. So obvious, it just makes sense. Stop the virus before it spreads and gets in your body with Halodyne. Uh, Rachel, not ready yet? Okay. Okay, when Rachel's ready, you not let me yet. know. Uh, we will take some calls in a few minutes here. Uh, let's just talk very quickly to Jennifer. It's a COVID question before I bring Rachel back into the conversation. Jennifer, what's up? Hi. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hey there. 
Um, I just wanted to say first off that um, my husband and I are big fans of yours for Thank many you. years. Very kind. And um, the other thing I wanted to say to thank you and Susan both um, that you enlightened us about pellet therapy oh. and I got um, testosterone pellets. Great. And Helps, doesn't it? Yeah. And, oh my God. Yeah. Right. It's like, um, it's, it really is dramatic. Yeah. So good for you. It's pretty dramatic. I have a younger husband and he's very thankful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 51. He's 44. Um, so um, yeah, it's been amazing. Right. So, and they're it's also young. really helped. I was going to say they're both young. That's right. Yeah. You were both young. Um, it's helped so much with, um, my perimenopause and yes. going into menopause and it's just amazing. So, hallelujah. um, thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> and um I know you just had COVID. Um my stepdad just came down with it. His younger wife um brought it home and um didn't know where, you know, she got it. And um so he's he's seventy three. He also got the monoclonal antibodies. Um, but he was kind of on the, the later side of that and meaning he was, he was so when he went in well into his illness before he got the monoclonal antibodies. No, not, not like well into it, but he was like at least, you know, nine days into it that, that's, and that's, um, that's well into it. Yeah. It, it doesn't work okay. as well later. I, I had a conversation with a doctor today about just this issue that it, we're seeing it's not working as well when it's, you know, past seven days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he could still come down with some of the harsh, um, effects of it then. Well, of course. I mean, it, it doesn't prevent, yeah. you know, it just sort of stops it from progressing. I'm, I say, I've, I'm still having lots of stuff. Um, and my cough, okay. is, you know, when I exert myself, my cough gets worse, my fog gets worse. And so I had a really busy day today. And so coughing more tired more, it's just crazy. But, but you had a question mm-hmm. about the vaccine. Is that right? Yes. So, um, you know, if you've already had COVID, then um, what is the difference of already, you know, just having COVID and then also getting the vaccine? Is it going to protect you that, you know, so right. much more? Right. So, so I have mixed feelings about the whole post-COVID vaccination. So Dr. Fauci is on the record saying that three months after your COVID, you should get vaccinated. I understand why he said that. I think that's a little aggressive. A lot of the people who are having reactions to the vaccine are people who have previously had a COVID infection. Why that's happening and what that means, we really don't know. I'd like to get that worked out a little bit before we get aggressive with telling people to get revaccinated. I personally don't want to take a vaccine from somebody who needs it. I've had what's called an additic score, which measures my antibody response. And I have 100% neutralizing antibodies I have antibodies against multiple viral proteins, not just the spike protein. And my spike protein quantitative assay was literally 10 times what somebody gets if they've been vaccinated. So I have all this immunity built up. I'm just going to watch it myself and remeasure it, uh, get repeated additive scores. And when it starts to fall, that's when I'll get the vaccine, but not before that. So I just believe there are more sophisticated ways to do this than just everybody get it in three months after you've had COVID. Right. 
Right. Okay. So be careful, but but okay. it, we, but there there is a high probability we're all going to need to be vaccinated, even if we've had the the illness. Uh, Caleb, can we bring Rachel in? Is she ready to go? Almost ready to go. Okay. All right. Uh, is she ready now? Okay. Bring Rachel. You could tell back in. Hi, Rachel. I tell you what. I'm. I've got a. I've got some calls for you. I want to get to them, and then I'm going to let you go because I got a bunch of medical calls uh, on the line here. I want to try to get to. Um, you've been very kind and forthcoming as always, and uh, we appreciate you coming in here and telling your story. And I hope I hope it helps for people to hear it. I still have this instinct that if people really knew that you, I mean, if they really understood what you've dealt with, you know, all the the that what we talked about at the beginning, with your dad, with your fiance, with Tiger, with the press. I mean, there's so many things that you have dealt with that that it's that would buffer you against somebody turning you into cartoon character. You know what I'm saying? If they understood yeah. some of the suffering, it's not so easy to turn somebody. Here's somebody who wants to ask you about a book. So let's, let's see what she has to say. Uh, Cara, what's going on? Hey, Dr. True. Good hey, time. Rach. Hi, I'm just curious to know. Um, hi. I'm just curious to know if you are actually going to pursue writing a book and what your timeline is for that. Cause I think it would be a bestseller. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, well, I am trying um, definitely my hardest to uh, pursue that because I've gotten a lot of um, positive feedback in that direction, um, especially in the last uh, couple months since the Heather McDonald interview. Um, oh, really? really? So that helped? Yeah. That interview helped? It okay, did good. help. Good. It did help. And, and Heather has been a really positive influence um, towards that goal, to be honest with you. So um, we've had some conversations in that direction. But yeah, I mean, I've had some conversations with some agents and some publishers. And um, I have a couple different routes to go with um, the book um, in a couple of different directions, whether or not I want to go um, more um, down the road of just like a historical um, past or if I want to make it more um, juicy. So I just have to figure out what I want to do, um, you know, so. Follow up, Cara? Thank you. Okay, kiddo. Thank you. Thanks. For no, coming. I think it'll be great. Thank you. Yeah. And if you, if you witness what I've witnessed, uh, if she really describes it in a way that they can share your experience, I think it'll be quite powerful. Um, okay. Now this is uh, Casey who has a question about dating via Zoom. Casey. Hey, Dr. Drew, how are you? Good, buddy. What's going on? Oh, um, you know, actually, uh, I apologize. I kind of had to jump into the stream uh, a little late. I was hanging out with one of the locals on the phone. Uh, but um, so I kind of walked into a uh, conversation here, which is really interesting. And, and Rachel, I, I actually wanted to say that uh, coming from a very abusive background myself and uh doing what I'm doing, uh, with locals. I just want to say, uh, I celebrate, uh, your, your, your courage and your honesty to just get out there and just be yourself. It's so hard to do today. Everybody's so fucking egotistical that you can't do anything. Well, it's not just the egotism. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Casey. It, it's, it's the attacking, it's the guillotines that are out. The people want to destroy people. And, and, and they want to be part of a mob that, that behaves that way. And, and I, don't, I personally can't understand why that's gratifying. It's the most mysterious thing in the world to me. Did Rachel's camera freeze? I think we lost Rachel. 
<laughs> Susan likes the picture. She looks adorable. That way. Susan she likes the picture. So, she's thinking. We'll we'll leave it up. <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can get her back. But uh, thank you, Casey. Uh, I, I want to take the uh, sex addiction call in a minute. And we've got, uh, let's see. I'm trying to get some of these. We got lots of interesting calls out here. Okay. I want to talk to Donna. Uh, Donna, what's going on? Hi, Donna. Says she had COVID at the end of November. Maybe Donna's not the right name. Uh, it says Donna. Um, lost hearing in one ear. Still feels like she has inflammation in her body. I, I, I want to talk to her because I can relate so strongly. I have ringing in this year. I have dizziness. And I feel like my sense is that whatever happened to most people in their nose happened to me in my ear. Donna, you there? Donna? Oh, I'm here. Hey there. So you still I'm have... I'm here. Can you, you hear me? Yeah, I do yeah, now. Sorry. Um, I work in hospitals, so I got another hospital call. But all right. So really quick, I've had I've had COVID twice. I had it in, in February. Ugh. I had pneumonia. I got what they call COVID feet, but it turned out it turned out to be an autoimmune disease I didn't even know I had, that pustular psoriasis. Oh, my god! Which I'm still suffering from. Oh, my goodness. Then I got, yeah, right. I've <sighs> never experienced this. I, it looks horrific. So at the end of November, boom, I get, I get it again. This time, it was very, no big deal. It was like a cold. I was getting over it. Day 10, I go deaf in my right ear. And I went to urgent care. Then I ended up going to the ear doctor, getting some procedures. Actually, tomorrow I'm getting an MRI of my head that I requested because I always want to know, make sure nothing else is going on. But the thing is, I do feel my body has inflammation that I can't let go of. I'm, I've been back to work over a month now. I'm still deaf in my right ear. Yeah. I need to get this inflammation out of my body. Yeah. So what so, do I do? Uh, okay. I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I haven't had it twice. I had it once, but I'm suffering from the same stuff you're describing. I have ringing in my ear, decreased hearing in this ear, dizziness. And I, I was just saying people that I think whatever happened to most people's olfactory system happened to my ear. Uh, just, that's just my sense of what happened. Okay. Here. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And, and it makes sense. It's yes, a, it's a I small vessel. So it's a, yeah, it's a small vessel angiopathy that, that we think is happening in the nose. And why couldn't it happen in other, you know, cranial nerve systems? Why not? Uh, it seems to, it makes sense to me that right. it could happen. So I think that's what we both have. Uh, you're probably right that there is some persistent inflammation. There are some people that are using st corticosteroids late in the game. Uh, steroids of various types. I don't want that. And, well, I, I, they, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe. I they mean, put, just of course. They put me on steroids for a little bit. I was on steroids they when I was sick. Steroids, it helped I me. Swear to it, God. No, you didn't like it. It helped me. It helped me for a short while, but it made me feel like I was on. I've never done drugs, but if I did, I was on crack. Yeah, yeah, it speeds you up. And stuff. I was yeah. so hyper. But, yeah, but I mean, you could try a lower yeah, dose I and stuff. Like now, the other thing is, people are advocating fluvoxamine. For exactly this kind of stuff, particularly inflammation in, in the central nervous system, we think is going on. So you could look into Luvox, fifty milligrams twice a day. That's a possibility. And there's and also colchicine. Is that over the counter? No, no, these are all prescription, but they're all you know medicines that have been around for a long time. Colchicine is also something that people are using for the inflammatory part of this illness. I, I don't know that, and you should sign up maybe with Dr. Yogendra for the long hauler studies because they're really looking carefully at long haulers and trying to figure out precisely what's going on. Otherwise, at this point, we're just kind of guessing. Um, but talk to your doctor about colchicine, steroids, 
fluvoxamine. Okay. Right. And I, and I just heard what you said about the vaccine, uh, for people who have had COVID, you know, those are the ones who usually have the reaction. And my concern is, um, is that, and I haven't had the vaccine yet, even though it's offered to me because I'm a healthcare worker, I'm holding off. And, um, but I'm running out of body parts here, I, you I know, with this particular psoriasis. No, I get and now it. now my ear, I mean, come on, what's left? Well, yeah. and I think you should and, get um, the vaccine. I, the question is when? Uh, and again, the CDC is exactly. saying three months exactly. after the initial infection, which for you is when? when? When is it three months since the second episode? Uh, I found out I had it on um, November 21st. Okay. I didn't show any symptoms so, until like the 25th. All right. So we're just about there. December, January, February. End of February or so, March, you ought to be looking into that vaccine. I, I, I don't know how you get through it twice, Don. It's, it's, you're, you're a stronger person than I. That's, and all the stuff it leaves behind is just disturbing. Again, uh, we don't talk about enough about the morbidity of this thing. We talk a lot about the mortality. The morbidity is much, much more common. There's Rachel. You're back with us? Yeah, so sorry. I don't know what happened there. That's right. Uh, Susan liked the picture, so that's good. Uh, so uh, let me see. There's, there's a sex addiction call. Let's, let's see what, what's going on here. With this. And uh, Tony, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Drew. I uh, just wanted to say I've been a big fan of yours for years since, you know, the Love Blind days. Um, I have been a sex addict for the past seven years, mm-hmm. and I have been um, prescribed naltrexone for it. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you had any insight on um, treatment via prescription medications, because I've been in therapy for years and it hasn't done anything. Are you doing, uh, are you going to SA or SLA, any of those programs? Yeah, I, I just started SA a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it only helps so much. I, I understand. Uh, I, I am in favor of pharmacological help to make recovery possible. Now, Trexone is an interesting idea. They give it to you by shot or by pill? Pill. It's actually um, a low dose from yeah. a compounding pharmacy. Yeah. So that's a, a reasonable thing. Uh, it will help a little bit. There's no doubt in my mind. We know that naltrexone helps with some of the drive to using in most substances, particularly alcohol and stimulants. It makes sense to me that it might work a little bit in sex addiction. Uh, and there are mm-hmm. potentially other therapeutic interventions they could try. There are things that kind of blunt the sex drive a little bit and might, again, make it more possible for you to be to be sober. But it, it, it is a... Uh, have you ever thought about going to a program, like a sex addiction program? Yes, but unfortunately, all of it's like out of pocket. Okay. You know, I go, can't really afford it. <laughs> Let me give you a good a good website to go to. It's it's called Center for Healthy Sex dot org. Okay. I think it is Center for Healthy Sex dot org. Um, the therapists that run that run that, Doctor Katahakis, very good. Puts a lot of very important stuff up there. Go to that website, uh, Center for Healthy Sex dot org, and, and see if you can get some something out of that. She does a lot of uh, love addiction too, Dr. Katahakis. And I think the love addiction stuff going to circle all the way back now to your transcend recovery. Uh, I think that is becoming a much more common, you know, we went through this huge phase where codependency was being treated all over the place, but the it, it codependency for some people really comes in as love addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I mean, I, I don't want to get too into it in this call, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done um, 
in the background of, of why you're feeling like this and, and why you're doing these things. And I don't know if this addiction has to do with people or what the addiction is, but there's a reason that you're, that you're addicted. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's, um, you're talking about medicine and stuff, and that's obviously a great, but there's reasons why you're feeling like this and, yeah. and reasons for I, see, the addiction see, I, in general. I, I think, I think putting, you know, I think we, have a tendency, particularly in America, to put medicines as the treatment. And I think that's the wrong way to think about it. You, the medicine there to help you make recovery possible. And the recovery is the part that Rachel's talking about, the actual work associated with the, depending on what your issues are, whether it's your denial systems or your regulatory systems or your interper ability to tolerate interpersonal connecti connectivity, all that can be worked on. And that's where real recovery is. And without that, you're just sort of, you're impaired and you're taking medication to try to deal with yeah. some impairment and, and that's okay, but I wouldn't call that full recovery. Uh, Rachel, I really appreciate you coming in here. It was a, it's a, it was a privilege to sort of revivify some of the things we had been through together. And, and, uh, it started out with the Instagram post you put up, which cracked me up the little, the, the, uh, <laughs> the parsing we would do <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the sword fighting. And, um, yeah. but I, I knew the whole time I knew always that you were testing me and that you appreciated people who struggled with you. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed that. And, and I have had admiration and affection for you ever since. And your experiences were very intense and they stay with me till this day. And, uh, I just want to see you thrive. That, that's what I'm looking for. And I, I feel like that's ahead for you. You just got to keep moving forward, keep your head up high. Thank you. It's always my honor and my privilege to always be with you and um, to be known by you is, is my um, honor and my privilege. So thank you. Susan, you want to say goodbye, oh, Rachel? Oh, so sweet. Yeah. I know Susan's a big fan of yours too. And so she set this all up. Yeah. And thanks for coming on. Yeah. It was good to see you again and uh, go, go open a big business. That, that's how you'll, you'll end, end all this nonsense that you're struggling with. It won't matter so much to you. All right, Rachel. Thank see you, you soon. Take care. Okay. Uh, and I will uh, take a few more calls now that are sort of of a medical nature. Uh, and we'll wrap this up. There are way more calls than I can get to, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. Let's talk to these are a lot of some very, very heavy calls here, too. Let's talk to uh, Jeremy. Yeah, Dr. Drew. Um, on November 4th, my <laughs> son passed away in Orange County in uh, Garden Grove Hospital. And he was only 24 years old. He was in a court-appointed rehab, and literally a week after he got out of the rehab, he passed away. And uh, I'm just wondering, because he had relapsed while he was in this rehab, and he had got taken to the hospital, and the rehab didn't notify the court. They didn't notify his probation officer. They just basically let him out. They signed paperwork for him to go free. And a week later, he was dead. He ended yes. up in Garden Grove Hospital in critical condition. I got a call at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. And uh, he came in there alive. And they said his heart stopped. Mm. But then with the coroner's report, they told us, his mother and I, they told us that uh, we're not together no more. She talked to the coroner. And um, basically, he told her that there was no... Uh, Narcan in his system, no chalk or something like that in the autopsy mm -hmm. that would show that he went in there for an overdose, something that he usually finds with people that have an overdose. Mm -hmm. So I'm just having a real hard time trying to grasp this because he was in a court-appointed rehab that I guess 
they were paying, the program was paying through the state. I don't know if it's Medi-Cal or through the state, they're paying $8,000 a month yeah. for him to be in this place. So, so here's what I don't and know. For them Here, just to, but here's the deal. Okay. We, ha we have a horrible problem, particularly in this state, with uh, psychiatric medical records and psychiatric um, HIPAA. The, the, and he did have mental health problems. No, I understand. Drug addiction. I understand. But the, the way we manage the information around psychiatric patients is insane and far more restrictive than medical patients. If your son had a medical problem that put his life in danger, you would have heard about it. But when they have a psychiatric problem puts their life in danger, oh, no, we can't tell anybody. We can't even tell anybody that, that they're in this hospital or that they've ever even been to this hospital. Now, what I don't know is to what extent they're allowed to share that information with the court who refers the patient and pays for the, the treatment. It may well be that they can't share anything. And so this stuff happens a lot. This is what happened to Mindy McCready. I, I, I worked very hard to get her in a hospital. She was very unstable. Her boyfriend had just killed himself, got her in. And a few hours later, they just let her go. Didn't tell me, didn't tell anybody else to go home where there were firearms and she was dead a few hours later. And this, this happens all the time. And it is a, because of the, the severe distortions of the HIPAA laws around psychiatric patients. People are afraid to say anything. And uh, I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah, to and they didn't even want to help him. Uh, they didn't even want to help him when he first got arrested because according to Laura's law, when somebody makes a, a threat, you know, under the duress of drugs or yeah. mental illness, he should have been seen in mental health court here in LA. And I, and I pleaded to the attorney, I got a private attorney for him, a friend of mine, supposedly to say something about this. Yeah. I tried to talk to the DA. I tried to talk to the judge and nobody would do nothing. They said, you know what? You're lucky that we're putting him in the rehab. We were going to give him three years and a violent <laughs> felony strike for a simple threat. I know. <laughs> you know, so I this know. is the, Dr. Drew, these are the things that go on in the system, man. Like you said, it happens all the time. Jeremy, I'm you know, sorry. And I'm stuck yeah. now. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck now because, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. Well, I'm sorry it happened to you. I'm sorry it happened to your son. I, I want you to know we're building coalitions where we're trying to change these laws. It's going to take some time. I, I sort of... I bailed out about a year ago with, you know, the COVID and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm tiptoeing back in to try to bring sanity back to the treatment of people whose sanity is struggling. Uh, and it's, it's, it's why we have homelessness. It's why we're losing four people a day on the streets of Los Angeles. Um, and, and why we have a massive mental health crisis and a massive addiction crisis. So, uh, I'm, I'm in, I, I, you know, I think I will tell you when it comes to grief, Meaning making is a very important stage of grief recovery. So if you can find a way to give back, do something meaningful, not on a large scale necessarily, but even on a small scale, it will help you. It will help you. And, and trying to make sense and, you know, all that, I, I'm not sure that's going to help you with the grieving process, but I certainly understand you, you would want to know about that. All right. Let me, oh my goodness, we have so many. Uh, okay. We need to get an update from Joe here. Hi, Joe. Hey, 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 Dr. Drew. How hey, you doing today? Good. What's happening? Um, I want to give you an update on Leopold. Okay. Um, he's back in the hospital. Okay. Um, uh, he told me uh, this afternoon that uh, apparently doctors told him he might have a collapsed lung oh. along with the blood sugar issue, which the blood sugar is uh, still over 300. It was at 500 two days ago when 
I, I told you on the local Zoom yeah. chat. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I, there's, there were some um, interesting studies that came out today associating atrial fibrillation with bad outcomes, but but the atrial fibrillation was people who had onset of atrial fibrillation during COVID, which is not Leopold. He already had atrial fibrillation. Uh, and then it's the relentlessness of this thing that is so awful. And if he's now got inflammation in his lung and then a collapsed lung, it, it's all stuff they're going to have to chase and get under control. There's, there's nothing about any of that, though, that can't be dealt with. And, and I just want to say just, you know, prayers and well wishes, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I see the stream going on right now and I'm just letting, you know, everyone know, just, you know, please give, he, he he's, he's watching, Good. he's, he's Good. seeing everything. So, all right, Leopold, you know, let's, let's I just get, on, I want to get on the phone with Leopold soon. All right, buddy. Thanks, Joe. You, Hey, by the way, Joe, Hey Bye -bye. Joe, let's on a different front. We're about to hit a monsoon here in Southern California. Oh, he's gone. We're we're and so if you know if those of you from around the country, we're going to hit this huge Pacific storm is about to hit us, so it's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, Jacob has something to tell people to help them with the grieving process. Speaking of that topic, Jacob, go ahead. Hi, Doctor Drew. It's an honor to talk to you tonight. Pleasure. Uh, well, I wanted to let you know, um, I'm grieving this week, my uncle passed away from cancer. Um, he just died last week. Um, he had a lot of health issues going on with uh, bad back and being on meds and then cancer. Uh, he was retired law enforcement officer in Pennsylvania. Oh, goodness. But they couldn't go visit him, him but you know, because of COVID, everybody's, you know, locked down in Pennsylvania. Crazy. And then, I was sorry, I lost my pastor. He passed away. They said it was COVID. He died back in November mm. 5th. Uh, at the hospital there in Minnesota. So I'm just losing a lot of uh, family and uh, loved ones and friends. And I uh, know a lot of people out there are losing a lot of people from COVID and different things. And I just wanted to honor um, those people that are close to everyone. I put my pastor on, I uh, created a website to honor him and our loved ones that have passed on from COVID and other related issues. And it's called Coronavirus outbreakmap.com and I have on, on the homepage it says COVID-19 Memorial and I have a picture of a, a picture of my pastor and a video of his funeral on the on the homepage there it says COVID-19 Memorial and the website again is called coronavirus outbreakmap.com okay thank you and I hopefully hopefully yes can honor those passed away yeah it, it is jacob I'm, I'm glad you called i'm glad you offer that for people that, that would like to do that but it, it is i was thinking about it this morning i mean death is around us now it's it, it's a pandemic pandemics people die and, and that's just the unfortunate reality about pandemics but we've been in this so long that it's there's no one that isn't touched by it it's just oh, in, incredible um all right i i'm gonna take walt on here and see what he has to say walt Oh, I didn't get him. Hold on one second. Walt is being being uh, destroyed by some juggalos, which is sorry to hear. Walt. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Doctor Drew, I watched your uh, show Love Connection with with a friend of mine that was a psychology major, mm -hmm. and we used to watch your show. And when it went to break. He would uh, ask me my opinion on what was said by uh, the person on the show. Okay. And about 90% of the time, 
my opinion matched what you said when you came back. Okay. On break. All right. So I just wanted to say kudos to that. But and I do respect there's you. A but, and there's a but coming here. Go, give me the but. But. Okay. Yeah. My thing was on on YouTube. I saw that you had said you were a fan of the insane clown posse. I'm I'm a fan of and it the, was quite disturbing. I'm I'm a I'm a the, the insane clown posse. Go ahead. That you were a fan of the insane insane clown posse singing group. I became and f- I was puzzled. I'm going. Yeah, I I don't I don't condone every juggalo behavior i became friendly with violent j and uh, shaggy uh and i like their music that would be accurate i think they're interesting men but i don't i don't sign off on everything that's you know all, a lot of the antisocial stuff that goes on there i mean all right we got we got to Something's wrong with the connection there, Walt. I'm sorry, buddy. But um, I, if there, if people are driving, I, I don't care who they are. I, I don't, I don't condone anybody harming you or harming anybody else. Uh, let's be super clear about that. And if somebody claims to be representing a group, I don't think the group would necessarily sign off on that either. So, and that okay. seems odd because uh, juggalos are known for being very. Very nice and very inclusive of everybody that comes to their they events. Can be, they yeah. can be harsh. I exactly. That. I can be, they can be harsh. And Maybe I, some people posing as juggalos. I was going to say that's yeah. who they are most harsh to. If somebody's <laughs> if somebody's posing, that that's where they get kind of uh, carried away. Um, all right, you guys. I think I'm going to have to wrap up. I I am uh, I'm out of steam. I, you know, this COVID just makes it so I can do things for just so long, and then I just can't go any longer. Um, but I'm trying to get myself back. I'm trying to get back to my uh, new new self. Um, let's see what you guys are saying here. A lot of ICP talk on the thread. Uh, any juggalos on the thread? Uh, does not look like it. Yeah. Today I've, I've, I did a lot more than I normally do to that I've done since I've been sick and I'm paying a price for it now. I just need to keep resting, but, uh, I do appreciate Ra- Susan bringing Rachel in here. I haven't seen Rachel since celebrity. Well, she worked, we worked together for a few months after celebrity rehab, but I haven't seen her since then. And, um, you know, go watch that Tiger documentary and see what you think about that. It's a good documentary. A lot of stuff's glossed over. A lot of stuff's glossed over. And then uh, I will be on Fox 11 tonight uh, in about an hour. But we will be covering mostly, it's mostly a Southern California. It's a Los Angeles show. We'll be covering a lot of weather tonight because everyone's very excited about it. It's going to rain in Southern California. So we're, 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 we're going to lose our minds just because there's rain coming our way. But when it, to be fair, when it rains here, it can be really rough. Um, yeah, whoop, whoop. Uh, let me see anything else up here for you guys before I wrap it up. Stacy loved the tiger documentary. Thanks, Carol. I will drink some fluids. I do need that now. <clears throat> what do you guys? Let me ask the the uh, thread here. What do you think of uh, Rachel and her um, and her story and what she's been suffering with? Um, can can you can you understand that uh, you know a lot of the stuff that's directed towards her is sort of excessive and uh, and cruel. And, and I don't think we want to, anybody really wants to be cruel. I, I hope you'll think about that before you, if you're, if your tendency to act out on people in social media, they're, they're actually people. It's not cartoon characters. Uh, all right. I will keep watching the thread here and, um, oh, Josh would date Rachel. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, yep. Full moon also, uh, Don, you're not so happy with me. Uh, 
Carol, I can't read these big paragraphs. I'm so sorry, Allison. Uh, <laughs> and B World says I'm better. I'm better than I was last week. Maybe you were in here last week. Vaccine advice: tested negative, but had COVID sy symptoms. I was one of the seven that tested negative, had symptoms. Amanda, I was. I would definitely get the vaccine. I would definitely get the sec, uh, vaccine. Okay, guys, uh, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you being here. I think we are. Are we doing a show tomorrow, uh, Caleb? Possibly. I'm not sure. I'll be here tomorrow, though. Uh, to do, you want to do something when we're uh, yeah? Here? If I'm here, we'll do it. All right, yeah. so we'll we'll do a little sort of uh, just a ask ask uh, or dose show, and mostly do just streams. We won't take any calls or anything, yeah. and uh, see what's going on. And uh, yeah, don't forget uh, to look up after dark, Doctor After Dark, over at your mom's house. And um, if you heard what Joe and uh, Casey were talking about, where we have a very vibrant community over on Locals. And uh, please do the support the people that support the podcast. Uh, we chose them all very carefully. The iWand, uh, this is a great instrument. Uh, the Halodyne, use it regularly now. I used it this morning. And uh, I really think there's something to that in terms of getting the virus out of our pharynx and nasal pharynx. Uh, as well as I do use, see it every day. And these things are all things I use. And so we, uh, and of course, Blue Mic, we're using that on a regular basis as well. You'll see we had a new mic in here today. We're going to try out some new stuff because I kind of like the sound of that one a little bit better. And hopefully we'll have that set up for the next show. Maybe tomorrow we do it, right, Caleb? Possibly, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being here, and we will uh, see you next time. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me. Call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, 24-7, for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.